All right, we're back. We're back. Round two. Um, actually, wait, no, we didn't. This is not round two. <laughs> Episode two. Episode of two. the night. Um, it's been a night for him. It's mid- yeah, it's Midwest Madness. <laughs> Still have a headache, if you're wondering. Um, <laughs> two of Crime, Cult, Conspiracy, Encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Danielle. Danielle's going to be telling a story. Yes. Just a quick PSA before we start. Um, there will be no new episode next Tuesday, the Correct. very first week of January. But we'll be, be back the second week of January on Tuesday as scheduled we're yeah. just gonna take um a little time off yep for the holiday as many of you know it's a very busy time of year and um so we're gonna be doing stuff with family and then i'm gonna be going out to south dakota and i was doing stuff and so it just didn't really work out like we'd hoped yes so um you'll just be missing us for one week and then we'll be back um like yes. normal so do not fear um yeah thank you for that update um because i actually (laughs) forgot we (laughs) talked about it it's been a whole 20 minutes it's fine okay so um i'm i'm gonna guess that you've heard some of this story before i'm like 99.9 percent sure you have um because crime junkie covers it and i know you listen to them Yes. Um, but they, I, th- I feel like they covered it over the summer, and it was like part of another episode. Um, and then, I, th- uh, I'll, I'll get to it later. So I'm doing the story of Brandon Swanson. Is this was this one of those um, where they did like they covered like three different kid guys? It, I think there was only two in the episode, but yeah, with like the cars or yep. something. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, on May 14th, 2008, just after midnight, Brandon, a 19-year-old college student, drives his car into a ditch. Um, he was on his way home from the end of his spring semester at Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota. Um, now, do you have any idea where Canby is? South... Actually, it's almost directly across the state from us. So it's oh. al- it's on the west side of the state, um, south of Alexandria. Okay. Um, and then if you so like if you look over into um, South Dakota, it's even with almost even with like Watertown. So if you're in South Dakota, it's right in that area. Um, and the only reason I I know that area is because that's where I worked at a camp for a few years. It was right in that that vicinity. So I have probably driven past Canby, but it's very, very small, which not a huge surprise because of where it's located. Um, okay, so Brandon was from Marshall, Minnesota, and he lived there, so he would just commute up to Canby for school. Um, it's a little bit further south than Canby, and when I looked at directions from one from Marshall to Canby, the longest route was 47 minutes, and the shortest was only 35 minutes. I know where Marshall is. Okay, so it's like, it's just north of that on on that same highway. Okay. Um, So this was a, a drive that Brandon did daily, and um, the, I want to say the 47, or no, the 30, 
five minute route I think was a straight shot. Um, I think the 47 minute one takes you to a, a little bit bigger of a town and then up. So it was literally like a single road. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon was luckily uninjured by the crash, but could not get his car out of the ditch. So he called his parents. It was about two in the morning at this point. Why was he on campus so late? Um, he had gone to a party. Okay. After, because it was literally the end of the semester. So like, you know, you have that one last big hurrah with your friends and whatever. And then you just kind of dip until summer semester or whatever. No, if he was drinking. Um, Witnesses did say that he might have had a couple of drinks, but he was not intoxicated when he got in his car. Okay. Um, so he calls his parents, um, Annette and Brian, and he's like, hey, I'm totally fine. I just am stuck on the side of the road. I'm, I think I'm near Lind, Minnesota, which is only about five, 10 to 15 minutes from where his parents lived in, in Marshall. Okay. So his parents, while on the phone, left their house to go and find him. But when they get to the road that Brandon thinks he's on, there is no sign of him or his car. Now, I want you to remember, this is 2008. Yeah. So more than likely, Brandon's cell phone was like a Razor flip phone. Right. So, because like when I first heard this, I was like, come on, he's got a cell phone. Like, why doesn't he just look and see where he is? And I think the first Apple had just come out and they were like crazy expensive. For me, it's more like you've probably driven this drive a million times. Yes. How do you not know where you are? Right. And like, yes, it's late at night, but there and the fact that there's nothing around is probably hard. But like you said, he's driven this route the entire school year. Yeah. Um, And then some, I'm sure. So they... They don't find him. They don't find his car. Um, Brandon is on the phone with his family for a f- um, total of 47 minutes. The call kept dropping. And at one point, Brandon got frustrated because he was like, my parents can't find me. I know I'm here. I'm like flashing my lights. They say they're flashing their lights. I don't see them. They don't see me. So he gets frustrated. He hangs up. And his mom calls him back. And he's like, sorry, I'm just really frustrated. I, I just can't. I don't know where you are. You don't know where I am. And this doesn't make any sense, which I think is, is fair, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so the last thing that Brandon says at the end of that 47 minute phone call is, Oh shit. And then the line goes quiet. He, it doesn't sound like he hung up. Some of my sources said the line went dead, but the other ones just said like that. It, it was like almost like he had dropped his phone or something. Okay. So, like, there's just silence on the other end. Right. Um, so his mom hangs up, calls back, and no one answers. So that's the last thing they ever hear from him is, oh, shit. Um, they end up, Brandon's parents end up calling Brandon's friends, and they come um, to help them look for Brandon, which they do, but they don't find him. So... When Brandon's parents don't find him or his car um, at eight, at 630 in the morning, they call the police to report him missing. The police told them to wait and that it was not uncommon for young men his age to disappear. 
I'm kind of confused why they wouldn't call 911 earlier and be like, my son was in a car accident and now we can't find his, him in, in his car. Like, I, I feel like that would have been, like, gotten a more immediate response. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not judging. No, I, yeah. No, I know you're not. It, you're trying to make sense of why they did what they did, yeah. right? And, like, I didn't really understand that either, but I feel like since it is a single ro- road, it's, like, a one lane going one way, one lane going the other way. So, like, how could they not find him, I think, is probably what they were their thought process was was like we just have to be missing him somehow yeah um his mom annette specifically remembers one officer saying that quote it was brandon's right to go missing end quote Um, which is just infuriating yeah because like he clearly he was on the phone with his parents he was on the phone so like he didn't I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me for it to be his choice to go missing. Like if you're going to go missing, you're not going to call your parents and be like, this is where I'm at and then go missing. Right. Um, so later that morning, Brandon's car was found in a ditch near Porter, Minnesota, which is nearly 25 miles away from where Brandon thought he was and in the opposite direction from Marshall. So basically he had had, he was back towards Canby. Like, he was heading back that way. Yeah, like, wherever his car was, it was way closer to Canby than it was Marshall. Okay. Um, Brandon has not been seen or heard from since that phone call. Wait, sorry, how long did it take to find the car? Um, it was, I think it was around noon that next day. Okay, so not super so, long. So, no, not crazy long, especially because the police didn't jump right on it at 6.30 in the morning. Um, one of my sources said that they, like, did his, um... They, like, tracked his phone, and that was how they found the car. So the phone was found with the car? No, the phone was never found. What? They don't know where his phone went. Okay. So all they found was his car. The keys were missing. His wallet's missing. His phone is missing. Because he had told his parents, like, I'm going to stay with the car. And then when they couldn't find him, he thought he knew where he was. He thought he was by Lind, right? And so he goes, um, hey, I'll just meet you at this local bar. I think I can see town. I'll start walking towards town. So he thought he was in Lind. They thought he was in Lind. He was near Porter. Okay. So I don't know if he could actually see Porter and something happened on the way or like clearly something happened on the way, but we just don't know what. Right. Okay, so there are some theories about what might have happened to Brandon. Um, The first theory is that he fell into the Yellow Medicine River. Um, The police have used um, search and rescue and cadaver dogs. um, And they all go towards the river. And then they lose the scent. But they haven't found anything, like, that would suggest that he was in the water. Or, like, stayed in the water, I guess. It's more accurate. So, there's no cell phone. There's no body. There's n- nothing. Right. Um, And then in May, so, like, late May. So, remember, this was May 14th. And then mid-June, Brandon's parents organized a search um, 
of the area with well over 100 volunteers, but again, nothing was found. Two years later, in 2010, the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Investigation took over the investigation. Um, so they've been kind of in charge of it since then. Um, so then another theory that has gone around is that Brandon might have made himself disappear, but this also seems unlikely. Why call your parents? Yeah, he was a good student. He didn't have any problems with friends or family, was doing well in school, and just completed a wind energy certification class and was planning on going to Iowa State the following year. And to your point as well, he was on the phone with his parents when he vanished. For 45 minutes. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Um, A third theory is that Brandon was struck by a car on his walk along the side of the road and that the person that hit him took his body and dumped it somewhere else. Okay. That's probably, of the three, the one I feel like is most likely so far. Um, Here's the wrinkle in that, though. Oh, okay. According to his family, Brandon had told his dad that he was was not walking on the road at all, but was cutting through fields. There is no evidence of this being the case because, like, there are no signs of a car accident. So, if he was hit by a car, you would expect to find, like, skid marks, um, maybe pieces of the car, blood. You know, there's just no evidence that a body was hit. And then um, the dogs also did not ever track Brandon on the road. They always tracked him towards the river, which would also suggest that he was going through fields. Okay. So never mind. So the this is the, uh, the final theory that I heard. Um, and I'm sure you've heard about this person too. But uh, this one involves the serial killer Israel Keys. Oh, seriously? Yes. I don't I don't know about that one. So, um we're going to just take a quick quick step out of uh the Midwest for a second because Israel Keys was living up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um Samantha Koning was an 18-year-old working at a cafe called Common Grounds and she was finishing up the day when Keys in a ski mask kidnapped her. Um, and then took her to his home where he like tied her up and put her in a shed. He stole her ATM card, stole some money, runs into her boyfriend when he's stealing her purse out of his truck, which like her boyfriend was like, who are you? What are you doing? And went inside to call police. And that's when Israel took off. Um, and then he steals some money out of her with her ATM card Goes back to his home and sexually assaults and strangles her to death. Then Israel Keys goes inside, packs for a vacation with his daughter, goes on vacation, and then comes back and um, makes it look like Samantha's still alive. Literally, like, and this is really horrific. I did not realize it was this gross, but um, he literally sewed her eyes open. Yeah, I've seen the picture. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, And then puts makeup on her and takes a photo with that day's newspaper, demanding $30,000 for her safe return. Um, A few days later, Keys dismembers Samantha's body, 
dumps her in a lake, um, which at the time was frozen because it's Alaska. Um, in the ransom note, Keys demanded the ransom be put in Samantha's bank account. He takes it out of her account and police catch him because of this decision. They like see what kind of car he's driving and kind of where he's at because all ATMs have cameras. Right. Um, eventually Keys agrees to talk to the police in exchange for the death penalty. Um, because he like didn't want this to like haunt his daughter and like didn't want his daughter to find out like how terrible he was, which mission not accomplished. Um, so in the theory in a nutshell, cause like that's a really, really, really fast <laughs> brief, um, telling of how terrible Israel keys is. Um, if you're interested in more information about him, the podcast, and that's why we drink does a whole episode about him. I don't know which one it is. That's the question I was asking. Um, I'm in a group that I was hoping would be able to tell me, but I've not gotten a response yet. Um, and so I just wanted to like super brief talk about him, but then, um, the theory about Brandon is that Keys could be responsible for his disappearance because that Keys, sorry. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to start this ball point over the theory in a nutshell is that Keyes could be responsible because he admitted to police that he'd killed seven people in other parts of the country. Keyes traveled for work and would leave kill kits, like, buried in different parts of the country. And then when he came back to the area, he would have his victim and he would have his kill kit and he'd go kill his victim. Um... He admitted to having kill kits in Washington, Wyoming, Texas, and Arizona. Kits have also been found in both New York and Alaska. Police believe that the actual number of his victims are, is around 11 and um, only have names for three, uh, Samantha, and then a married couple in Vermont named Bill and the Rain Courier. Um, Keys admitted to killing Bill and Lorraine in a bit blitz attack shooting bill sexually assaulting and then strangling lorraine their bodies were never found this is one of the reasons that people seem to think that keys could be responsible for brandon's disappearance because he disappeared without a trace and his body has not been found i don't think so um there isn't any explicit proof or evidence that keys was in minnesota but as he traveled a lot for work um, and and could and would drive between different states. This is not completely unlikely, but again, probably highly improbable, you know. For where it's located in the time of night, and he didn't really seem like like he was a planner. I feel like, and it just it seems like it's too random. I wouldn't say too random because he literally would just like pick someone and kill them yeah but he would plan a little yeah and that's so i feel like unplanned is the key there i just feel like it's yeah it's just not his like mo yeah i would agree um i was gonna ask you if this was correct died by suicide right i believe so okay we need to ask angie again yeah 
Um, so Keys died by suicide in jail in 2012. Um, the note left behind, he left behind did not reveal any new information to police. Um, there is a picture of the note in one of my sources. I don't think I'm going to give him the time of day. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't even bother reading it because screw him. Um, so there, there is a very little good, obviously that came out of this, but one good thing, um, that Brandon's parents did was they have successfully changed a law for missing people called Brandon's law. It basically makes it so that people need, or people, sorry, police need to start searching for missing people immediately and not wait, which most states do for missing children, Mm -hmm. but not for adults. So a lot of times there are, uh, there's like a 24 hour wait for missing adults. Um, So now apparently in the state of Minnesota, there is not that wait anymore um comforting yeah i think there are like four other states that do that which is just batshit crazy to me like in everything it's like the first 48 hours is the most important so like why are we waiting for half of that to even start looking i can't tell you i mean i'm sure there's some reason behind it that we don't know for sure but it drives me nuts um so here's exactly what my source said so that i was clear about about brandon's law quote the effect of the change also required that police in addition to determining their preliminary investigation that the reported person is indeed missing determine whether that person is potentially in dangerous circumstances they must also notify other nearby law enforcement agencies promptly Brandon's law also clarifies that the agency taking the report is the lead agency investigating the case. The absence of that distinction had created some problems in the later phases of initial searches when three different counties were involved. Police were no longer allowed to refuse a report based on initial belief that no criminal activity was involved. The brevity of the interval since the person was last seen, the possibility that the person may have intentionally disappeared or the lack of the relationship between the missing person and the reporter. End quote. Well, that sounds like a good law. I think so too. Um, the, and I should have written it down, but the um, congressman who helped the family get this law done said it's like the thing they're the most proud of. Oh, good for them. Yeah. Um, Sterling, I think was his name. It started with an S. I should have written it down. I didn't. Um, 13 years later, searches continue in the 140-acre area that Brandon is believed to have been um, before he went missing. If you have any information on Brandon's whereabouts, please call Minnesota's Bureau of Criminal um, Investigation at 651-793-7000. So that's my story. It's a good one. Sad, but good. Yeah, I kind of, I feel like I talked really fast through it because you look (laughs) very sad and you like, you don't feel good. So I wanted to kind of get out of here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, So, oh, my source is real quick. Um, Wikipedia.org, medium.com, thebrag.com, dps.mn.gov, 
um, inforum.com and that's it. Awesome. Well, all right. So I think we should sign off for the night, but I want to wish everyone a happy new year. Yes. Um, hope you had a Merry Christmas or or whatever holiday you celebrate. If you don't celebrate a holiday, we hope you had a great regular day. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a reminder again, we will be taking the next week off and then we will be back the second week of January. So our socials really quick. Um, Midwest Madness group podcast group on Facebook, MW Madness podcast on Instagram. And that is also our Gmail. Awesome. All right, guys, you have a great rest of your day. Happy 2022. Woo.